to your property podcast. My name is Michelle Cairns, your host for today, and with us we have Merrily Carr. Hi, Merrily. Hi, good morning. Good morning. Now, today we are recording this on the 28th of April 2020, and uh, Merrily is the chair of the STAA, so Short Term Accommodation association and she's a spokesperson for the nhs home schemes and also ceo of under the doormat so there's lots that we've got to cover today merrily <laughs> absolutely i mean um in normal times there's already a couple of things and and obviously in this time it's it's been amazing to be working together with the rest of the industry uh on nhs homes um, you know, the industry has been really impacted by the, the shutdown and obviously it's a time when everyone's looking at what we can all do to help, um, but also looking forward and, and wondering what's, what's next for the industry um, and, and how we can all recover and have successful businesses in the long term. Yeah. So obviously, you know, there's a lot to kind of get into here in terms of the short term accommodation and um, how it's been impacted by what's been going on. Before we just go into that, could you give us a bit of the background about yourself and um, your property experience and, uh, you know, how you came to the UK? Absolutely. So, I mean, I came to the UK originally. Um, you can probably tell from my accent that, that I'm American. Um, I did my master's in the Netherlands and, and actually joined Shell. So um, I came originally um, to work for, for Shell, the, the global energy company. And um, not your typical entrepreneur, um, but I think that's part of um, what meant that when I set up my own business and got involved in the industry association and in, in setting that up a few years ago, um, some of that experience that I had from the global corporate world has, has been extremely valuable. You know, I, I did property management in Shell, not through my whole career, but uh, particularly at the end, uh, where I at, at one point had responsibility for managing the maintenance of 12,000 petrol sites across 43 countries, which is, of course, not the, um, the job you ever expect to do when you're growing up. <laughs> Um, and, you know, certainly helped, um, you know, spark that love for property. Um, but obviously in, and, and taking that experience to a different sector and, and travel and homes, um, compared to obviously, uh, petrol sites, which is a, a lot less sexy. But a lot of similar transferable skills, I'm sure. <laughs> Well, and I think there's things like health and safety and, you know, especially in the environment that we're in today that become really important to how you do things in a really professional and standardized way. Um, and that's something which our sector is just learning because our sector originally came from sort of holiday homes and then the peer to peer market emerged with Airbnb. Um, and I think with the crisis, people are getting much more focused on the professional end of the market um, and how things like cleanliness standards and, um, and all those things are really important to people's desire to stay in a home. Um, and, you know, hopefully some of that background that I've had in another sector um, is helpful, not just to my business, but also to us as an industry um, as we figure out how we can, you know, how we can come out of the crisis stronger. Definitely. So have you got your own personal portfolio? Is that based in London? Uh, what does that sort of look like? 
So Under the Doormat is a London-based company. Um, we manage over 300 homes across London. Um, we work with individual owners and also companies um, who have properties that sit empty for periods of time. Um, and we do everything from managing the marketing of those. Uh, we work with everyone from Marriott Homes and Villas to Expedia to Airbnb and over 30 other platforms. Um, so we're, we're really industry-wide and, and, and far-reaching in terms of how we can help owners to get the bookings that they want and to market their home in the best way. But then we also manage everything. So from the cleaning, professional hotel quality linens, um, as well as insurance backed by Lloyds of London. So this is really a kind of professional standard of management, um, which is very different from what you tend to find in, you know, just kind of the Airbnb management side of things. And, and I think for especially high-end owners and, and companies who really depend on uh, processes and systems, they want to know that they're partnering with someone who, who's able to deliver that to, to that level of standard that they're expecting. And obviously, you know, you've grown it to, you know, at a, a scale that's, that's been sustainable. How did you, you know, when everything was happening, what was your sort of first reactions and how you, how did you deal with it? So obviously you, you're managing all of these and you were the, in, you know, the first to see all the bookings drop off. Must have been quite unsettling to say the least. Yeah, I mean, look... At the start of 2020, this was really going to be our best year ever, both for our owners as well as for us as a business. Um, and actually, part of what we're doing as a business is we're also now offering the distribution services to other companies, so small holiday homes providers, and and um, and there's a particular company in Italy that we were working with about getting online their residential portfolio because they're primarily a hotel company, um, and so. Actually, we even had early warning signs before it started showing here from the discussions that we were having with, with that Italian company. Um, and it was incredible to, to realize that in a matter of weeks, it went from a world where everyone was planning their holidays for this year to a world where companies were struggling to deal with the amount of cancellations that they had coming in and how does that meet with policies um, and all of these kinds of things. So, you know, I think our sector was really at the forefront of recognizing that the crisis was coming um, and very quickly having to adapt um, not only what our teams were doing, but also what we needed to be thinking about as an industry to make sure that, um, you know, that, that companies are prepared, that policies are clear, um, but also that customers felt the right confidence in, in, our, in our companies and, and in our industry as a whole. Um, and this has been no simple time to navigate because I don't think anyone in the travel world has ever seen anything like this. Um, you know, we look back at 9-11, we look at the financial crisis, um, but, you know, neither of those hit the whole world to the scale that this is. Um, and, you know, any company in the travel sector right now is, is feeling the brunt of, uh, of, of the impact. Um, and I think the real questions are, are around how we recover, um, you know, what further supports required from government to help us ensure we can get there. And also, in some ways, helping consumers understand what they can do to make sure that their favorite travel companies are going to be around in three months, six months, or, or the next two years. Um, and so working together to make sure that the industry survives and is set up to thrive in, in the future. 
I mean, how do you see it in terms of of short term long term because you know some people might think okay this is the short term but once we can you know once lockdown is the restrictions lifted then we can go out and we can visit and we can start booking up again um and more so in the uk than abroad so it, you know are you feeling like it's going to be okay relatively soon and the business will bounce back to perhaps normal or anywhere near that or are you thinking we have no idea how long is that where are your feelings about it at the moment because obviously nobody knows but no look I mean nobody knows but I think there are certainly things we can learn from how people have behaved in in, in other situations and I think you know typically what you see for example when a city suffers from a terrorist attack and things like that mm-hmm. it typically takes about three months before things bounce back to the kind of levels that they've seen before um so that's kind of one indicator um i mean i think the the best data and the best um, experts across the industry are kind of coalescing around a couple of key principles the first one you've already mentioned is that domestic travel is going to come back first and international travel will lag beyond that. Um, Because of the seasonal and cyclical nature of the industry, we're also expecting, you know, next summer to be the first time that we start to see some semblance of normality. Um, And hopefully what we'll start to see is, you know, people missing summer holidays this year um, and already planning maybe even a bit earlier into next season. Um, But I think we are really looking at an 18 month period um, before we could say we're, we're going to be returning to what we might call some semblance of normality. Um, now, what we're going to see in, in the meantime is, as we said, uh, more domestic travel. I think what we're also going to see is, um, you know, more transient nature of things. So hopefully we'll see some more midterm bookings um, and things like that coming through as well. Um, but I think it's not also just the demand side. I think there are also some shifts on the supply side, which are also important to understand um, because that will play a role in, in how the market recovers too. Um, I think we have seen some landlords who were doing short-term rentals instead of long-term rentals, um, realizing that this isn't an industry for um, continuity and and guaranteed income. Mm. And while in the peaks, it can seem really attractive, um, you know, there is more risk in short-term rentals than there is in a long-term rental. Um, You know, in my business, we've never really focused on landlords as a target audience. We really work with people who have properties, second homes, pied-a-terres, um, you know, homes that, that are empty for periods of time, but they still are someone's residence. Um, and I think, you know, those are probably better suited to short-term rentals. Um, whereas a property that is literally vacant 365 days a year is probably better suited to long-term rentals. And I think we'll see uh, people realizing that and recognizing that there is a value to that guaranteed income that the long-term tenant can pay. And so I think that will um, that will affect a little bit supply, um, less in markets like London where we already had the 90-day rule, but more in, in other markets where, you know, people might have seen holiday accommodation as an alternative to, to long-term lettings. Um, and I think it's actually a rebalancing of the industry, which is healthy um, because, you know, our industry really isn't about... Um, taking away housing and turning it into holiday homes. It is really at its core about taking empty space and bringing it to better use. So where people who are looking to it as, as a way to just get a better return 
um, are, are realizing the risks involved in doing that, I think that will hopefully mean that the landlords remain landlords and provide that long-term accommodation and that short-term accommodation can really be focused on the, the properties that sit vacant for various different reasons for different periods of the year. Um, and, and I think that, that in and of itself will be adjusting the supply um, and hopefully in some ways, meaning that we, you know, even through the crisis and through the rebound, there is a slightly better balance of supply and demand um, and that that will help owners to recover quicker um, and, and help the industry to recover, um, knowing that um, maybe the market um, at the same demand, which is a bit weaker due to the, the external environment. Okay. Um, I mean, you know, when you've obviously had all of these empty properties then sitting there uh, because everyone's cancelled, you moved to this idea of the NHS homes scheme. What, you know, how did that sort of come about? And um, what was like the specific catalyst to, to create that? Well, I mean, look, I had a phone call. Um, somebody said to me, look, you know, there are NHS workers um, that are, are really worried about the health of their loved ones, vulnerable people they're living with. Um, and it struck me that, you know, there, there are empty homes that we've got and, and not just us as under the doormat, but, you know, across our in at that point in time it was clear that whatever happened there was certainly going to be a period of time where there were going to be a lot of homes sitting empty um and so you know I've always worked with charities throughout my whole life um and so immediately I could see that there was an opportunity to do something good um and our owners want is to leave those properties sitting empty and for me what was incredible was you know from having that first phone call to speaking to some owners and you know writing to all of our owners in our portfolio was literally a matter of days and it was incredible to see how many owners said I want to be involved I want to host NHS workers in my property um, and I knew that as a company we could provide that service to make that possible um, and so working together it was actually really simple um, as an industry what's also been really nice is that our supply chains our processes everything's set up to be able to accommodate transient visitor accommodation and so we could very easily just have NHS workers replace the guests um, and, and we're already set up to manage those. Um, and I think that's been really exciting because, you know, while, um, you know, property companies and, and others really want to get involved, you can only really do it um, at scale if you've got the right processes and systems in place to manage it. Um, and what's been amazing to see is how many companies have got involved from our sector and how we can all normally in, in the world as competitors come together for this initiative um, and, and work together to house NHS workers. You know, to, to have in a matter of weeks 2,500 properties across the whole of the UK offered to NHS workers for free is one of those things that actually kind of sh sends shivers down your spine to realize how many people want to help. Um, but what's even more emotional is reading the stories of the NHS workers 
um, you know, almost immediately we had requests coming in. You know, people who have partners who are going through cancer treatment, uh, people who have vulnerable or elderly parents that they live with, um, you know, people who have flatmates who suffer from asthma and other conditions that are really worried about their health. And the last thing we wanted was to have NHS workers who were on the front line, who are doing everything they can, working extra shifts, long hours, that they didn't have a home that they could go to, um, that you know, and, and, and to be able to take away that emotional burden from them, that they would be putting risk on other people. And what's also been amazing is that the workers, they don't want to do it for themselves. They really are worried about other people. Um, and, you know, they, they really appreciate that, that owners and companies are stepping up and, and, and being willing to offer this to them um, because it means focus on doing their job they can focus on helping the people that they're out there helping and um, and everyone's really benefiting from it um, and you know the alternative would be that these homes literally sit empty over this period um, and you know while the companies are not making any money from this while the owners are not making any money from this everybody knows that it's the right thing to do um, and you know the alternative is do nothing and that that just doesn't seem right in in the crisis and do you think in terms of sustainability moving forward that there's a you know will this help keep afloat i know obviously a lot of them are the, the, the homes are for free are all of them for free or is it just you know the, covered, they're covering free. the costs they're, they're all for free um we we do have as part of the pledge um that direct costs for cleaning and linen so no profit margins either for the cleaning companies or or for the companies that are managing it um, but direct costs can be covered because of course cleaners need to you know they need to feed their families too um and if the owners have direct costs of utilities so out-of-pocket expenses that are directly related to having people stay that those can also be covered um, so those are the kind of small things that we're asking for support for. Um, I'm also speaking with the NHS um, and, and with government about how we can turn this into a sustainable solution. So obviously, you know, people will be aware that um, that government is paying for hotels to house workers um, in various different scenarios. Um, and we're working with those organizations to get our, um, you know, the, the fully managed properties up and live in those systems so that they could provide that accommodation longer term. Because we also recognize why owners might be willing to do it for a month or two or maybe even three. Um, owners will need to have an income coming in from these properties. Um, and if these workers need to stay for longer periods, then we need to find a, a commercial solution, even if it is at a much reduced level to what they'd, they'd normally see in, in the in in the normal world um, that that can be made available and so we're working really hard to get that up and, and running um, and you know trying to get as much government support as we can in the meantime through the grants and the business rates holidays um, the furlough scheme and, and all of these other things to make sure that the the sector is in the strongest position it can be to to rebound when the lockdown ends and do you feel like the government has done enough? Has it has it kept you afloat? Has it kept the landlords and the 
the business is afloat so far? I mean, look, it's, it's really difficult because um, on the one hand, I think government has been listening. So certainly things like the furlough scheme, the business rates holiday, um, and things like, um, you know, the grants available for small businesses are, are helping. Um, what we've seen is that our industry is struggling in some cases to access those um, because it's not just a cut and dry tick box. We fit into this category. Um, so it's sometimes taking longer than we want and we're working with government to try and simplify that where we can. And I think in terms of what they've done so far, I think it's, it's a really good start. I think the bigger challenge is what's going to happen is the lockdown eases because currently only essential bookings can be taken. Um, what is it going to look like in terms of the timeline for reopening the industry in full? How long is it going to take before bookings start to, to, to reemerge? Um, and how long will it be before the sector reaches a point where, you know, as you said earlier, we are back to kind of business as normal. And I think the real question is going to be whether furlough gets extended even at reduced rates over time. Um, what other initiatives are going to be there to, to provide loans and grants? Um, you know, Siebel's in, in many cases, in many cases, isn't very suitable for the industry. Um, yesterday, there were some new grants announced for up to 50,000, um, where the government's backing it by 100%. So this is a constantly moving situation. I think the government's done a great job at responding to the crisis. Um, and it's about closing those gaps where it's been harder than they wanted for people to access the funds and, and the support available. Um, and then thinking about longer term, how do we make sure that it isn't just a cliff edge later on, but that the support is, is, is provided on an ongoing basis, even if it is um, while the sector recovers over a longer period of time. How do you see in terms of preparation of what you are in control of? How, how do you see that working in terms of what can you do now? What can your customers do? You know, everyone involved, what's in people's control? Well, I mean, look, I think one of the things that for us has been really interesting is when we think about um, routes to market, I think that's going to be really important because you know, just having um, direct bookings or just having one or two platforms that people are working with is, is going to be really difficult because in the end, you know, people are going to want to access new types of travelers that maybe they haven't accessed in the past. Um, and so I think where companies have just uh, relied on a couple of channels to market, I think they need to be looking at how they expand that. Um, I mean, Under the Doormat has, has launched Hosperia and, and we're working with holiday homes companies in particular that in the past maybe haven't been able or, or having the expertise in-house to do that. Um, and we're doing it on a completely success base. So they don't need to pay anything to, to get involved and, and to access those channels to market unless they get bookings in. Um, there are a lot of other companies out there that are offering free services to help them understand what the market's doing and how they can access it. Um, and I think overall, it's going to be having to retool some businesses 
um, that, you know, consumers are, are more and more moving to booking through OTAs who give them extra protections. Um, you know, I think that there is certainly a battle in, in, in this whole, um, in this whole crisis around OTAs who are protecting the consumers versus the property companies who were of course then exposed to last minute cancellations, um, and all these types of things. Um, and I think in some ways the OTAs picked their, their horse and that was the consumer, um, because they wanted to be the choice for consumers coming out the other side. Um, and that means for property owners, um, if you want to access the marketing campaigns, if you want to be in the forefront of, of guest minds, in many cases, guests are going to be booking through those channels um, and finding the systems, the technologies, um, and the partner companies who can help you access those quickly are going to be really important so that you're the one taking bookings um, when other people up the road might not be. Um, because you know, it's going to be a while before we're, we get back to the, the levels of bookings that we're all used to and the levels of occupancy that we're all used to. Um, and I think it's going to be a, a tough environment for a little while. Okay. And in terms of your, the STAA and the membership, what does that, um, what does that entail? And I understand are you doing a free membership at the moment? Yeah. So, I mean, look, the industry body is there to help provide um, that discussion with government. So um, putting forward the positions of the industry, um, helping the, the members of the industry to understand what access they have to, to the support the government's providing. Um, and we want as an industry body to be offering access to that expertise and, and that guidance to everyone in the industry over this period. Um, and that's why um, we launched this two month free membership trial so that people can sign up you know, no obligation, just get involved and see what's out there for you. Um, because there's a lot of companies that are feeling a bit isolated, you know, they might have furloughed staff, you know, the owners of the companies don't really know what to do next. And I think the best time to be working with other owners, learning from what other people in the industry are doing is right now. Um, and so while we would normally have face-to-face -face meetings, we've got, um, you know, virtual meetings, we've got advice sessions, we're sharing data, uh, people are sharing best practice, you know, things like, you know, refund policies and all these kinds of things are being debated. Um, and it's a way to know sooner than anyone else what government's saying, what support is available, um, and, and to help companies to, to weather this storm. Because at the end, as an industry body, our goal is to make sure that we're growing the industry in a sustainable way. And we want to be providing all the tools to every company who are, who's, who's out there, uh, large or small, to be able to, to come out the other side of this um, as successful businesses. Um, and, you know, I really believe that we can. Um, and I believe that the government is, is doing a lot to ensure that that's possible. Um, but as an industry body, we've got to continue fighting for the industry to make sure that that continues to, to head in the direction that we all want. And in terms of actually the regulation side of things, because obviously, you know, as an industry this has been hit particularly hard by the crisis um but you know some could argue it could have been something like the regulations being changed overnight um and 
I suppose this is just one way of adapting to the uncertainty that you know is life I suppose but um, what do you see in terms of regulations and preparing for any changes in the future is that something that you're thinking about or preparing for or is it sort of deal with that when it comes I think for us, the, the key that we, that we hear about and that we see is that, you know, regulators, um, other industries um, and consumers are really wanting to see our industry professionalize. Um, and we've got two choices as an industry. That is something which can be imposed on us through regulation, or that's something that we can proactively go out there and, and deliver ourselves as an industry. Um, that's the reason why, as an industry body, we launched accreditation in partnership with Quality and Tourism. Um, and, you know, it, it, during the crisis, you know, I spoke earlier about how standards are, are becoming even more important. Um, I would encourage every company to think about getting accredited. Um, it's not a costly thing to do. It helps you to understand as a business owner where your strengths and weaknesses are compared to others in the market. Um, and what it also does is give you a stamp of approval that you've been inspected by third parties, which gives consumer confidence. And I think consumer confidence is going to be the most important thing to every company coming out of this. Um, and I think if we're able as an industry to create that consumer confidence through things like accreditation, there's no need for the regulators to come in and, and, and impose some heavy handed regulation on, on us as an industry. What they want to know is that as an industry, we're doing that proactively ourselves. And I think we've got a unique opportunity to use the next year in this recovery period to really focus on those standards and that professionalism. And if we can demonstrate that to regulators, I think we're in a much stronger position to avoid regulations which, um, which, we, which we don't see as necessary to achieve those results. And in terms of business, you know, good business practice, what would you advise, let's say, owners or landlords or other smaller management companies to you know, to, to sort of help them through the next couple of months and beyond, really, because it's not just now, obviously, just good business practice moving forward. Um, I say that because a couple of people I've interviewed already on this topic, they have been, you know, they're on the, the other side of it in terms of they keep going and they are above water, but they've been able to kind of keep going because they've had good business strategies as they've been going along. You know, they've not taken on properties that are, um, you know, questionable in terms of like the location or the standard. They've gone for the premium product. They've gone for the highest service and standards across the board. And I think that's helped them to kind of ride this wave now. Um, are there any other, you know, advice or strategies that you would suggest as in terms of business business models? I mean, I think in terms of business strategy, there's a couple of key things. One is standards are key. So absolutely make sure that you've got the, the right standards, you're consistently applying them, um, and go for things like accreditation to make sure that you've got that independent mark that shows that you're one of the, the, the people that believe in that. Um, the second thing is, I think it's about routes to market. So making sure you've got the right channels to market, you're, you've got the right systems that enable you to, to always take instant book, 
um, and that you also have the right pricing strategies sitting behind it. So things like dynamic pricing are going to be incredibly important um, because I think no one, no matter how intelligent you are, is going to be able to work off of a rate card in this new world. Um, so being able to rapidly adapt to those changes in market demand are going to be really, really important. Um, and I think in terms of um, business model, um, I think, you know, we've seen, for example, um, trailed news about Stay Alfred um, potentially going into administration. Um, I think this master lease model has been put under significant pressure. Um, and I think that sharing the risk with owners in, in much more kind of management agreements um, is how the traditional sector has always worked, you know, the holiday homes market and things like that. Um, and I think that is, um, that is a much more flexible business model to adapt when the market adapts. Um, and I think taking on that risk of the lease on a property um, is something that many companies will, will be avoiding and certainly is a risk um, for you know, service department companies and others who, who have that property risk. Um, so I think this crisis has certainly brought that business model into the spotlight. Um, and I think in terms of strategies is, is probably one of the, the strategies we'll see less of in the future. Mm. Um, so I think those are the three things that are probably most critical to business strategy, um, to getting it right and, and making sure that you're, you're ready to, to come through the recovery in, in the strongest possible position. Okay. And if somebody has got a second home, let's say they're not planning on using it for whatever reason do you think is it still a good time obviously perhaps not right now but let's say when the restrictions are lifted do you think it's still a good time to be using that in you know as a short-term accommodation or do you think it's not worth you know it's not worth the risk let's say i mean look i actually think absolutely i mean let Let's be clear even that um you know we've seen you know 90 drops in, in revenue and occupancy in some cases um there are still people making bookings today for essential travel or essential use um and i think what we're going to see is that when the lockdown eases there's going to be a bit of pent-up demand of people who do want to get out there and travel who haven't been spending money and they want a little luxury um, so, you know, I think anyone who has a second home, anyone who's got a pied de terre, um, anyone who travels frequently themselves and will be returning to that travel after the lockdown, um, you know, people's incomes are under pressure. There's a lot of uncertainty also in, in that side of things. Um, and there's no better way than to monetize your most important asset by making some money when you're not using it yourself. Um, I think the key will be, you know, do you really want to do it yourself? Um, you know, I think in the past, often people just thought, well, I'll do it all myself. But if you really want to think about, you know, the professional cleanliness standards, you know, all these things that are emerging, the requirements that guests are going to have, as well as that ability to reach large audiences, I think choose a company that you want to work with and that you trust um, and let them be the experts about how to manage it through the crisis. Um, you know, there's some incredible star companies um, that, that people can look into and, and obviously take advantage of. Um, and, and obviously, whether it's by helping with the marketing and distribution like we do through Hospiria, or, you know, many owners who actually even through this period are saying, well, look, 
I want to offer up my property for NHS homes. And actually, as this recovers, maybe this is a new commercial model that that I can take advantage of. Um, and so I think there's a lot of people who are, who are thinking, well, you know, is this the right time? Actually, yes, because even if people are only now booking for their Christmas uh, holiday or booking for the October um, break, you know, every time you get a booking of a week, that's some extra income that you can earn. And why wouldn't you do that? Um, so I think, you know, there, there's no real risks as long as you've got the right cleanliness standards, the right professionalism, um, and that you're partnering with the right people to do it. Um, so I'd encourage people to think about it. And it, as soon as you feel comfortable um, to think about opening up your availability and, and finding people who would benefit from staying in a home, because I think what we'll see as an industry is that people will return to staying in homes quicker than they'll return to hotels. Yes. Um, because obviously you're still having your own private space. You're able to cook. You're not having to go down to breakfast with a lot of strangers. And so I, I think our industry is really well placed in, in the rebound um, to give people that, that self-isolation um, at the same time that they do want to start traveling again and seeing things and getting away from the home that they've just been locked down in for months on end. And so I think for owners that that really means opening up your availability and, and getting involved. Fantastic. I think we've covered everything on my side that I wanted to ask you. Uh, is there anything else that we you want to sort of wrap up with? Any final thoughts? Yeah, I mean, look, I think it, it's any crisis is obviously a really difficult period, but I think it's a great period to look at things like your strategy, um, look at, you know, what do you really need to be doing yourself and where do you want to partner um, and looking at how when we come through this, um, you know, your business, your property, um, you know, any, anyone can come out this as strongly as, as they possibly can. And I think people will start traveling again. Um, the industry will rebound. Um, and it's just a question of time and, and how to get there. Um, and I'm really confident that there are some incredible businesses in our industry. Um, and I think that a lot of people are going to come out this stronger, um, which is, of course, hard to see when you're in, in the midst of the, the eye of the storm. Um, but I think in six or 12 months time, um, it will be incredible to think back as to where we are today um, and how much has changed, hopefully for the positive yeah right uh, yeah I hope so too and I'm like you say life goes on you know it will have to at some point and um I think the the likelihood is that like you say people will still be moving they'll still be looking for accommodation and uh well, let's hope that the uh, the industry just bounces back as strongly as possible so I think that's a good place to wrap up now you've done um an article for YPN the magazine and that it will be in the end of May so in uh, in the May edition so look out for that I will put in the show notes as well about the um your website and how people can find out more about you as a um where's the best place people can connect um so i mean in terms of the short-term accommodation association then obviously we've got the star website um for nhs homes we've got a website specifically for that initiative um and then in terms of connecting with me it's normally always um the under the doormat website um and all of the contact details that are available there um so yeah i guess that's not the simplest answer um but <laughs> we'll put I'll, them all in the show notes don't worry <laughs> i'll send you through the links 
fantastic we'll get the links put on then great okay well thank you for your time and uh good luck with everything yeah no wonderful to speak to you and um yeah looking forward to hearing it when it goes live great thanks michelle bye